that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. One more time. Let's thank God for our, our students. God bless you. You can be seated. Congratulations to you again. If you all would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to continue today in our series on the subject or the topic of grow. And we're moving into today growing in self-control. Somebody say grow in self-control. I mean, we can all grow in self-control, right? And so, uh, just a, a re- real quick review here. Uh, there are really six things I want to talk about in the review. As people seek to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, let's look at our, our opening text in Second Peter 1. Let's read verses 5 through 8. Uh, and it says, but also for this very reason, given all diligence. So we've got to put effort to this and be earnest about this. He said, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and then to knowledge self-control, which is the one we're going to talk about today. And then to self-control, perseverance. Really can't wait to get to that one because, I mean, after you develop self-control, you're getting ready to go through something. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And it's the only way to actually see if I've actually developed in self-control. I got to measure it by something. And so I can't wait to get to that one on next week. And then to perseverance, godliness, and then to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. He says that these things are yours, the King James Version says, if they be in you and abound. So if you're increasing. So it's not enough to just know it. I've got to increase in these things. He says, you will neither be barren, which is unproductive, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, they begin with the foundation of faith, which we learned is a strong conviction and trust in both God and Jesus Christ. So once we find out what God's Word says about something, all our conviction, we put all of our stock in that, and there are no other options on the table. Uh, Number three, then we add the quality of virtue, which is a desire for excellence or striving to become all that Jesus desires. So we learn what he said, then we have to desire to excel in that. Number four, all the while increasing in knowledge, gaining an awareness and understanding through study and experience. So now that we found out what he said, we have a desire to excel in it. Now we want to learn everything that we can surrounding that, right? Sometimes it's not all spiritual information. It may be some natural information as well. If, for instance, if I'm trying to get out of debt or live a healthier life, I mean, I need spiritual information as well as natural information along with that, all right? And so we'll, we'll add knowledge to that. So we'll get all the information that we can. And then here in number uh, five, as knowledge increases, then we add self-control, which really makes sense. I think the King James Version says temperance. And if you're new here, your first-time visitor here, all of these notes are in the Version Bible app. If you go to the events section uh, and go to Linked Up Church, you'll see all of the notes. I want to welcome again the people that are watching via live stream today. We're glad to have you. Uh, Please follow along as well. I believe this will be a great blessing to you on today. And so number five, the King James Version uses this word temperance. But it makes sense. You'll see in number six, what good is it to grow in the knowledge of good and evil if we don't have the ability to make proper use of such knowledge? I like what one scholar said. He said, what good is it to learn it and then never discipline ourselves to do it? And that's really church. What you have with people, people go to church. Right? But, you know, God is calling us to be the church. And there's a big difference between going and leaving and going to go home and study what I learned so that I can grow. Right? It's a huge difference there. And so that's the most important piece here in terms of self-control is it makes no sense to learn something and I don't have an intent on actually disciplining myself to do what it is that I learned. And so let's get into this today. So what exactly is self-control? And then how do we add that to our lives? Remember the word add gives the connotation that all of these things need to work together. And what I love about all the eight graces, once we get through all of them, it starts with faith and it ends with love. Isn't that powerful there? Why? Because faith works by love. And so all of this has to work in conjunction with each other for us to walk in everything that God has already provided for us. If you're living in this dispensation, you're not trying to get something from God. 
God has already provided everything for you. What you're desiring to do is grow in your relationship so that you can walk in everything that's already been provided. Is that making sense to everyone in the room? All right, let's get into this today. There are really seven areas that we'll cover today. Number one is the definition of self-control. There are four points under that lettered A through D, A, B, C, and D. Letter A, the Greek word is enkreia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I listened to several different audio versions of that, and so I gave it my best shot, but I'm not a, a Greek scholar. But I think the definition is the most important, the meaning, what we need to understand. It comes from the word kreia meaning strength. Okay, letter B. Uh, Robertson defines it as one holding himself in. So in other words, I can, but I hold myself in. Letter C, the virtue according to Thayer, the virtue of one who masters his desire and passion. Interesting, especially his sensual appetites that we all have. Stronger amen in here, right? And I really like to look at this one in two areas. It's the opposite sex and food. How many of you know food can look sexy? I didn't even have a taste for it, but it looks so good. Let me try a little bit of that. Well, how many of you know the opposite sex can be the same way? I have a taste for that, but it looks so good. See, if I don't have this ability to do what? Withhold myself. Both of those areas can get away from me. Letter D, where this virtue subsists, which means abide, temptation can have little influence according to McKnight. So if you understand what McKnight is saying, temptation can be all around this individual, but when they're developed in self-control, It'll have no influence over them. And folks, this is where you must get to or you'll be pulled in every direction that you really don't want to go in. Right? Number two. Let's look at a a few texts here as found in the Scriptures. We're going to look at four of those lettered A, B, C, and D. Go with me to Acts chapter 24. Let's look at it as it's found in the Scriptures, this same Greek word. And again, I would have never understood what I'm getting ready to share with you all today without a full revelation of one subject, which is titled grace. Watch this here. This is very interesting. Acts 24, 25. And as he reasoned here, Paul before Felix, of course, he's being brought before Felix for what he was charged of, which was teaching heresies and things against their doctrine. And Paul said, I don't want anyone else to represent me. I want to represent myself before Felix. And when he begins to reason with Felix, notice what he says here. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away from now. When I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. So, so anyway, he can't find nothing in Paul based off of what Paul is, is, is reasoning with to really uh, kill this man or put him in prison. But it's interesting here. Notice what Vine says. The word follows righteousness, the same Greek word which represents God's claim, self-control being man's response thereto. So it's kind of like faith and grace. Grace is what God does for us. Faith is our response to it. What Paul is saying, righteousness is what God has made us. Self-control is how we respond to it. You missed that right there. We can leave church and go home right now. If I actually believe he's made me righteous, then I'm going to control myself to look like that. To, To look like what he made me. Right? I saw that and I almost took off running. Number B, go to, or letter B, go to Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 23. Interesting here. You can almost mirror 1 Peter chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit, and then the eight graces that we're we're teaching on, on Sunday. You can almost mirror them together, and they both say the same thing, that when you have these, there's really nothing that can stop you. Galatians 5.23 says, gentleness, self-control, 
Against such, there is no law. Nothing. There's nothing if you're developed in those that can come against that. It is an element that, the fr- that is born of the fruit by one who is walking in the Spirit. So you know how a lot of people say, I'm, I'm in the Spirit? Well, I mean, we can tell if you're in the Spirit by what you, how you act. Right? And you're going to see that it's not spooky, it's not deep, it's not voices, it's not any of this. It's behavior. Go to Titus chapter 1, verse 8. Titus chapter 1, verse 8. I'm just going to let the Word do the work today. I found as many supporting complementary complementary scriptures as I could. Titus 1, 8. This is required of all of those who serve as an elder. I think the King James Version uses the word bishop there. But it says, be hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, which means they have good judgment, They're just or righteous, holy, and then self-controlled. So to be an elder, to be a leader in the church, how many know they need to be self-controlled? You can't have deacons that are not self-controlled. Looking at that, that they can can, can mess them up. How many know you can't have pastors that are not self-controlled? They'll run through the church and take advantage of weak people. Right? You don't want any person in a leadership position who is not self-controlled. You don't want a head of your usher department who doesn't have self-control. You don't want the head of your music department without (laughs) self-control, right? Any elder or leader in the church, male or female, needs to have self-control, and it needs to be monitored. Go to 2 Peter, letter D, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Again, it's right in our text for today, to knowledge Self-control, see, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. Vine says it follows knowledge, suggesting that what is learned requires to be put into practice. Once again, separating going to church from being the church. The difference between going to church is that's a person who, who comes and goes. Right? And people do that every week. What he's saying here, the difference is this person is going to come and then put into practice what they learned. See the difference? That's why it's required. Now, number three, discipleship requires self-control. Discipleship requires self-control. Now, just in the words self-control, it literally means you need to learn how to control yourself. We all do, right? Depending on where you're at in your, your development, there's an area or areas that we all need to gain better control of. Anyone in here willing to say amen to that? All of us can look across the landscape of our lives and say, you know what? I, I've got that pretty under control, but I need to learn how to control this a little bit better. And so don't beat yourself up. Once you know it, then you've got to have a strategy and a plan to go at that. Discipleship requires self-control. A few points under here, letter A. Denial of self is necessary to follow Jesus. Now, go to Luke chapter 9. And really, the entire chapter of Luke chapter 9 is is Jesus calling the 12 disciples. Right after he called them, he fed 5,000. And then he finds himself alone praying. And the 12 disciples come to him, and Jesus asked him a question. He said, who do the crowd say that I am? After he fed the 5,000, he wanted to know, who do the crowd say that I am? And, of course, Peter raised up because he was the leader of the group, and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what his dissertation to Peter was after that. You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That was revelation knowledge given to you by the Father. But then in verse 23, He said to all of his disciples something very powerful that I believe he's even saying to us today. And if you could, put the amplified version of that up there on the screen. He says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, which means follow me, which is what a disciple is, as a follower of Christ, then let him deny himself, watch this now, and take up his cross, his cross. I mean, my cross is not your cross. Your cross is not my cross. But I looked up the word cross there, and it literally means self-denial. So you've got to take up self-denial 
on Sundays. Is that what it said? Every Sunday. What's that next word? What's that next word? Come on, say it like you mean it. What's that next word? So we can't then be Sunday disciples. That's not a disciple if it's Sunday only. It's only a disciple if it's daily. And he said everyone has to pick up his own self-denial every day. Look at what the Amplified says. And he said to all, if any person will come after me, then let him deny himself, literally disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests, refuse to give up on himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Keyword, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be, that's where we check out right there. <laughs> What's that next phrase? And dying also. Which means there are no other options on the day. If I live, I live for Christ. Listen to me. If I die, I die for Christ. That's a disciple. Go to Titus chapter 2. An important element of what God's grace teaches, and again, this is going to separate for you, for, for you all, people who teach grace uh, in a way that compromises holiness. What I mean by that is grace has covered everything. Don't worry about that. It doesn't take all of that, right? God's grace is sufficient for all of us, right? Any of that, folks, you want to get out of that church, out of that environment as fast as you can, if it makes you feel comfortable living in sin and ascribes that to God's grace covering you in that situation. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation, see, has appeared to all men. What does it appear to do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, not living with them, we should live soberly, have good judgment, righteously, and godly in this present age. The grace of God, folks, will give you a desire to live holy. Why? Because God's been so good to you. You'll begin comparing everything that, that's going on in your life, and you'll say, God's been too good to me for me to live that, that kind of way. So one cannot be a disciple of Jesus without exercising self-control. Number four, let's look at the development of self-control. Let's look at the development of self-control. A few key points here. Letter A, Paul realized the need to keep his body under control. Anyone else in here realize the need to keep your body under control? Folks, I have learned that, it, man, if I just let this body, it'll take me places I don't want to go. Make me watch stuff I don't want to see. Make me do stuff I don't want to do. Right? Make me stay longer than I want to stay. And I always end up paying more than I want to pay. If I just let this body do what it wants to do. It'll eat whatever it wants to eat. Right? Every day it wakes up and says, why exercise? What's the purpose of that? We all got to die of something someday, so why, why are you going through all of that? How many know your body has a voice? It'll talk to you. Am I the only one? All right, so let's look at the development of self-control. Paul realized the need to keep his body under. I'm a happily married man, so you all aren't used to people being honest with you. I'm a happily married man. I got to keep my body on. That's a daily decision. My wife is beautiful, but there are lots of beautiful women in the world. It's a decision every day to daily die to your body. Because if you don't, you'll realize it's still woke. <laughs> that light is in my eye again. At least if somebody say amen, it'll, it'll help me understand I'm heading in the right direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at what Paul said in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may obtain it. I like what one translation says, 
run to win. Why are we becoming Christians and the end goal is not to win in every area of our lives? What are we doing, folks? And in this particular race, the battle has already been won. All we have to do is participate and agree and, walk and, and, and work with, and the victory is already guaranteed. But listen, if you're going to get married, then why isn't the goal to win in that marriage? Come on, if you're going to have children, then the end goal should be to win with your children, right? If you're going to work and make money, then the end goal should be financially free. Or what are we doing? We're just wasting time if we're not in it to win it. So he said everyone in the race is running, but only one is going to receive the prize. So run in such a way that you can win. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate means self-control in all things. Spirit, soul, and body. They're controlled in their prayer life, in their word life. They're controlled in their diet and their discipline, their exercise regimen. Come on, somebody. They're controlled and disciplined in their academic life and achievements. They're focused. They're heading in a direction towards success, and they're self-controlled in all areas of their life. Because what you'll learn about people, people are consistent. Usually, if you lack self-control in one area, we can probably paint that brush across a whole lot of other areas. Right? This is why Jesus said you cannot serve God in money. Why? He, he's simply measuring that if I can't trust you with material things, I probably can't trust you with a whole lot of other things. So Paul said everyone who competes for the prize, they're self-controlled in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it an imperishable crown. So he's saying the same way that an Olympic athlete trains to win a gold medal is the way we should be spiritual. That's deep. I've only been around one, but they restrict themselves like you wouldn't believe. So many months prior to the race, they cut out all sugar. The one that I know said he didn't sleep with his wife. It, it required that because he needed all of his energy. I said, I don't know if I want to be an Olympic athlete. <laughs> but I knew where he was coming from. You understand? No hanging out. This was interesting. Didn't hang around anyone who did not have the same goal that he had. So his close partnerships were with other people desiring to win gold medals. And he said, and we held each other accountable. So while everybody else was hanging out over in this particular area, I won't say it, we went to bed. So they get rest. They're controlled. He says, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. So in other words, I'm not just swinging, and I don't know what I'm swinging at. Thus I fight, not as one that beats the air, but I discipline my body. I discipline my body. Now, Paul is, knows that he's a spirit, right, who lives in a physical body that possesses a soul, his mind, will, and his emotions. So what he's saying here is he uses his spirit to discipline his body. And we'll work with that thought as we continue to go through the text. So he said, I, see, my spirit disciplined my body and bring it into subjection. Now, now, this word subjection here is to be a slave. So it's one of two things here. Either you are a slave to your body, all right, you've trained your spirit so that your body is a slave to your spirit. So either your spirit is telling your body what to do, or your body is dictating what your spirit is doing. What does that look like? If I, if I desire to pray and I don't, my body won. If I desire to go exercise and I don't, my body won. If I desire as a single person to not sleep with someone that I'm not married to and I do, my body won. If I'm married and I'm 
being inappropriate with the opposite sex, and I didn't want to do that, my body won. Is everybody clear? Paul said, I bring my body. One translation said it's like a boxer who beats himself, beats his own body. He trains it through hardships. Folks, if you don't learn how to put that body down, that body will put you down. Right? And so if you've ever seen a boxer, they're taking body blows in training so that they can prepare themselves for the actual fight. So what are they doing? They're conditioning that area of their body to take blows. Right? How do you train your body? You got to keep it away from the opposite sex if you're single. I mean, you know, you're not training it, sleeping with it. You are training it, I, I guess I should say, the wrong way. <laughs> Right? And that's putting it through hardships. That's one of the most difficult things I've ever accomplished in my life was to go eight years prior to marriage. One of the most difficult things. But the, the, the most worthwhile accomplishment I've ever achieved in my life. It's not easy. 20 years of marriage, it's not easy. You got to put your body through hardships. Right? You want to look a certain way, you have to put your body through hardships. Can't feed it whatever it wants. I think I need to stay here for a little while because <laughs> whenever it gets real quiet, that's your pocket right there. Just park right there. Just sit, sit in that moment right there for me. And then he told you why. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So in other words, I was up teaching others what I wasn't living myself. And that's one of the most frustrating things in the world is when you get exposed. Your children find out you weren't who they thought you were. Your spouse finds out you weren't who they thought you were. Right? And so what he's saying here, be real with yourself and God and everything else will take care of itself. You see why he did that? So he didn't end up being disqualified, right? So you don't have to worry about people trying to disqualify you if you're doing what's right. Now spend your time fighting with people and who's after you and who's trying to get you. Just keep doing what's right. <laughs> Come on, that's a good place for somebody to shout amen. Did you hear about what they said? Who cares about what they said? Just keep doing what's right because it's right. Now, let's back this all the way up if you listen to what he's saying. He said, I did this so that I don't get disqualified. He started off by saying everyone in that race starts out the same. If you understand that analogy, if you've ever been around track, you can't hide once that gun goes off. All your training getting ready to show up on that track. You can tell your parents, you can tell everybody, I've been working hard in practice. I've been working hard. Oh, I've been, man, I, I broke a record in practice, right, in practice, right? I PR'd in practice. Let me tell you, when that gun goes boom, everybody in that stadium getting ready to see what kind of work you've been putting in. So you understand what Paul is saying? I'm going to do privately. So that when I am public, people don't see who I really am. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? How many of y'all say I can grow in some self-control in some areas of my life? We all can, right? So let's none of us beat ourselves up. There's a conflict between the spirit and the flesh. Go to Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17. And we're going to let the text interpret itself. He says, I say then... Walk in the spirit. See, this is a behavior, folks. Not, not, you know. It's not hearing voices. It's a behavior. It's not quickening. Oh, they in the spirit now. No, they're itching. They got an itch. Yeah, yeah, Tourette's or something. I don't know what it is. But, but, but this does not mean. 
I'm in the spirit. It's a behavior, folks. Again, it, again, depending on how you learned it and what dispensation you learned it from, there'll be a conflict in even what you're getting ready to hear right now. Walking in the spirit is a behavior. It's, it's conduct under grace. For I say then, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. Now, what you got to understand is that it told you lust is in your flesh. <laughs> All of us. But if you walk in the spirit, a behavior, you won't fulfill it. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Now, flesh is our human nature. It's, our, it's really our nature and our, our passions. It's really defined as to be carnally minded or fleshly minded. So it's really wrong thinking that produces wrong behavior. Can everyone agree with that? All right. So, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Let us see. There's a war that rages between the flesh and the soul. So what we just saw one between the flesh and the spirit, right? Let me kind of show you how that one goes, right? Uh, the moment I said I haven't eaten meat since July, July 4th, I haven't eaten meat, right? And so the only way for me to grow in self-control is to not eat meat during the football season because that's when I love chicken wings, Chicken wings and Saturdays and Sundays just go together for me. So I said the toughest time for me to put meat on the table and grow in self-control is during the football season and the holidays. Next month, I'll be on a 20th anniversary cruise, best boat we've ever been on in our lives, eating salads and fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Hold me to that. No meat on the cruise. Because that requires what? Self-control, especially at that midnight buffet. <laughs> if you ever been on a cruise, you know what I'm talking about. You, you can come home about 10, 15 pounds heavier. All right, watch this now. So the way that goes is the moment my spirit said, I'm going to put this and control myself in this area. Then the, my flesh, the thinking comes, it doesn't take all that. Just moderation is good. Just do it on Saturdays and Sundays. Cut out during the week. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And it starts warring against a decision that my spirit made to control myself. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Right? Zaxby's, it's like hot chicken. It's it's like the building smells like chicken. (laughs) Driving by in your car, you can smell the chicken in Zaxby's. What does the flesh start warring with? You, you already, you've done it three months now. You proved to yourself you can do this. But I committed for the rest of the year. So you see how that war will rage every day. My wife made some lamb for the kids last weekend. When I walked in the door, it was like somebody laid hands on me and put me out. <laughs> Man, I'd never smell something that good in my life. Then what does my flesh start doing? It's October. You've been doing this since July 3rd. You proved your point. Get you a piece of that lamb. But my commitment was for the rest of the year. So watch this. Once you start compromising one area, then what other areas are you compromising? See what the enemy will do to you? So he breaks you down there. Then he breaks you down financially. Then he breaks you down relationally. Right? Because people are consistent. First Peter chapter 2. There's also a war raging between your flesh and your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Look at verse, verse 11 and 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, watch this, which war against your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. I noticed the moment I said, the next time I'm going to sleep with somebody, it's going to be on my wedding night. How many know I entered into the battleground? 
And a war went on emotionally. Right? I'm 22 years old. What you doing, man? 22. Wait till you 30 to make that declaration. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. You young. Have fun. You just graduated from college. You're driving. Man, hang out. Go to the park. Emotionally, right? Because everybody else look like they're having fun. Everybody coming by the house. Come on, go with us. Emotionally, I'm struggling. Right? Right? My mind is going tilt. Watch this. Now it's a battle of the will. See how this works? Having conduct honorable among the Gentiles, those that are without, when they speak against you as evildoers. See, when I was making that choice, I was called gay. I was 22. It's like the fellas was like, what, you gay now? You, you don't like, you know, everybody just going, females like, what, what happened to you? You, ugh. You don't want to go out. What? It's sad. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And then here go me. I don't do that anymore. I'm going to church in the morning. You soft old sissy, soft old. All of that. It's going. Right? A lot of evil speaking. Pressure. I mean, that's pressure. I can't tell you. There's a few situations where they were just like, I know, I just know you just, you, you must be struggling privately. How <laughs> I many you know, then that war go on because you are struggling privately. <laughs> like, dang, how'd they know that? It's Friday and I'm in the house. Right? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You've been through this, you know what I'm talking about, right? Look what he says here. They're going to speak evil against you as an evildoer. But they may be by your good works, which they observe. They're going to glorify God on the day of visitation. So if you keep doing what's right because it's right, the Spirit of God is going to visit them. And they're going to bring back to remembrance what they saw you live. And it's going to give them hope and courage that they can live it to. Come on, somebody. And that's what makes it all worth it is when they see you get married and how you get married and how God blesses your life when the Spirit of God visits them, they have that to compare with all the other people out there living crazy. Letter D, your hope is in Christ. Go to Romans chapter 7. Your hope should be in Christ. Romans chapter 7, let me give you a little backdrop here. Paul is going through this analogy of his struggle. And he's saying, you know, the things that I want to do, that's the stuff I don't do. And the stuff I don't want to do, that's what I do. Anybody know that struggle is real? Anybody? It's like, that's like reality right there, right? It's like, I don't want to do this, but why do I keep doing it? Right? Right? This is what Paul is saying. Then in verse, I'm going to show you how people doctrinally get off with Scripture. Look at verse 24. Then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And everybody identifies with that. See, Paul went through it, and God still used him. See, a lot of leaders do this, and then they lower their standards. They don't keep reading. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Watch the shift. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself, see, he's telling you where he got off, serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So notice he said it was his mind that took him in either direction. And if you look back just the last time you made a mistake, See, if you learn how to backtrack, pay attention to what you were thinking about, what you were watching before you did that. Okay, now drop over to chapter 8, look at verse 1 and 2. Look what he says here. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, thinking But according to the Spirit, thinking for the law of the Spirit of life, the Word of God, 
has made me free from the law of sin and death if I'll discipline myself and control myself to it. Let's follow that thought further. Look at letter E. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Those in Christ have crucified the flesh. Now, we'll talk about what this means briefly here. And those who are Christ, how many of y'all are Christ? How many of y'all say, I belong to Jesus Christ? Look at what he says. Church didn't do this. They did this. Those that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay? The word crucify is important here. It means to place upon the cross. How I many know you got to put your body up there just like he put his body up there? And you've got to identify with his death and burial by crucifying your body. Don't let cigarettes control your life. Don't let the opposite sex control your life. Come on, somebody. Crucify. Come on, don't let alcohol control your life. Come on, don't let hanging out control your life. Crucify. How do you crucify? You die to it daily. Every day you wake up, you say no to it. And you put it up on that cross. And you say, you will not take me down this pornography path today. And you battle. And you're going to find if you win today, you better get up with the same attitude and mentality tomorrow because it'll be another battle tomorrow. What your enemy does, he just crouches for a moment and he looks for a better way to come back at you with the same thing. He's sneaky, folks. You all getting anything out of this today? It means to extinguish. It means to subdue. See, the struggle is real, folks, yet the solution comes only when we make this decision to crucify our flesh. I mean, the moment you say you want to lose weight, for whatever reason, you're going to hate the gym at the same time. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. Watch this. Next week, I'm going to start my program on Monday. Monday roll around, something happened with the kids, right? Through my day off, through my schedule off. So my schedule is all off now. And so I don't want to start on an odd day. Let's just I start next Monday. Right? Whole week went by between Mondays, and, and I, I need to rewrite my program now because it's not the same as it was the Monday when I originally wrote it. But you know what? Now it's, it's almost November, Thanksgiving. Why well, started heading into the Thanksgiving season when I know I'm getting ready to eat all this turkey and cranberry? And, come on, sweet potato pie. Come on, somebody. So I'll start right after Thanksgiving, right? But then I forgot right after Thanksgiving, Christmas is right around the corner. And everybody's coming to my house this year, right? So, so I'll start it. That's right. We go on a 21 days of prayer and fasting. For 21 days, I'm on fire, right, until the 22nd day because it was not a real lifestyle change. It's what, what they call zero-based goals. I only wanted to do this for 21 days, so the goal was never to change my behavior. And that cycle can go on for years. Every year in January at the gym, where did all these people come from? <laughs> Been members for years. It's a joke in the gym. Just wait 30 days. It'll slow down. <laughs> all those machines will be back available in about two weeks. It's a joke in the gym. See, I want you to understand, you don't let your body win ever. In there is a eight-pack waiting to come out not a keg listen what I've got is a one pack but I used to have no packs so now guess what after all this time of not eating meat I see a difference Al but I don't see the results I'm looking for so now I gotta put sweets and, and cookies and chips for at least six months look look right there see the spirit of God left this place right there but Wellman's head just going, oh, no, no, see, 
I don't need no one, two, three, four, six, eight pack. I'm good, just like that. That's my goal. I, I actually want to see my stomach again. So, so now I realize I've got to cut all the sugar. And I'm going to do that for six months to a year. No cookies, no chips, no sugar. Well, what are you going to eat, Pastor? Watermelon, fruit, <laughs> bananas, grapes. Tastes good after you get all that other stuff out of your system. See, that, that, that was not the word of the Lord, was it? <laughs> not one amen in here, not nothing. What I'm saying is whatever your goal is, don't stop until you reach it. Don't let your body win ever. If you let your body win in one area, it's going to try to control all areas. All right, the Spirit's role in developing self-control. Let's just read through these, and then I'll need to close. This is number five. The Spirit's role in developing self-control. Without the Spirit's help, we will die spiritually. Watch this. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh behavior to live according to the flesh, fleshly thinking. For if we live according to the flesh, watch this, you will die literally. But if by the Spirit you put to death, remember what Paul said, I bring my body under. So if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body. So notice, you cannot mentally control your body. You have to spiritually control your body. Are you all still with me out there? So if I by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Now watch the context. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, behavior they are the sons of God. They train their spirits to control their bodies. Isn't that good? It's not spooky, folks. You can't tell whether or not somebody is spiritual because they prayed and you tingled. <laughs> They're just a great orator and they know how to spin words together. But don't make no judgments about their character until you spend time with them. <laughs> a lot of people, because somebody was up here singing or somebody was up here praying, that's who I want to be with. They made decisions based off of gifting. And they lived with them like, whoa. <laughs> Dad Hagen used to share this story. We used to go to camp meeting. And he said one of his, his praise leaders married a, a young lady because she had the anointing on her life. Every time she sung, the anointing fell in the place, and he was a pastor. And so, of course, a pastor would love to have a wife who can sing under the anointing of God, bring down the presence of God. And, and uh, what ended up happening was after they got married, he got her home, and she started taking stuff off and <laughs> putting stuff on the – this true story, right? The pastor, he said the pastor woke up one night, and because he married her because of the anointing that was on her life when she began to sing, he looked over at her, and he said, just sing, just sing. <laughs> you remember that one? <laughs> Let her be. Walking in the Spirit... You will not succumb to the lust of your flesh. Let's look at it another way. Go to Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 18, right? Because a lot of times, depending on the dispensation you were taught in, we consider walking in the Spirit flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, right? And, and watch this. A lot of people can flow. Look at the church at Corinth. They can flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but their behavior is nowhere near. Depends on what dispensation you were taught this in. Look at Galatians chapter 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit. That means to habitually order your life this way, in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust in your flesh. For the flesh lust against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary. So the, the things you, you do not do, the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit of God, then you are what? Not under the law. So then how does the Spirit lead us? 
Again, this is grace teaching, okay? So pay attention. How does the Spirit lead us under grace, right? What I'm telling you is don't follow voices unless the voice confirms what's written in the Word of God. You know how many people have said the Lord told me and it blew up? And they will not go back and, and take that off of God. They just leave it out there like that. At least go back and say the Lord didn't tell me that or it wouldn't have turned out that way. At least get him out of it. Don't make him look bad. All right? Let, let's look at grace teaching, how to be led by the Spirit, right? How does the Spirit lead us, right? Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Really leads us by whatever we set our mind on. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, watch this, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. See that? That's why they live that way. That's why that's their lifestyle. But those who live according to the Spirit, so you can almost add those words there, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit, which would be the Word of God. You all see that? Set means to focus. Right? And intentionally apply yourself to something. So if I spend all my time listening to worldly music, I mean, I'm going to struggle with my flesh. Right? If I spend all my time watching things that are inappropriate on television, I'm going to struggle with my flesh. It's going to become my lifestyle because that's what I set my mind on. Everybody clear? So the things of the Spirit include that truth that Jesus was sent to reveal. So go to John chapter 8. I'll quote that one. Go to John chapter 16. This is not in your notes. I added this. John chapter 16, 12, and 13. John chapter 8 talks about it's the truth that you know that will set you free. It says if you know the truth, right, then the truth that you know will set you free. Right? Not the truth that I know. It's the truth that you know that will set you free. Look at John 16, 12, and 13. I added this just this morning. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now because he was still with them, uh, uh, the apostles, the disciples. However, when the spirit, when he, the spirit of truth has come after Jesus has left, and notice what he says, he will guide you in all truth. So he's actually talking about what's coming and the role of the spirit. The role of the spirit is to guide you towards truth, which is found in the word of God which should impact your behavior. See, everybody want to be deep, but being deep is actually living like Christ. Watch what he said here. He will, the Spirit will. For he will not speak of his own or in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Here it is, folks. And he will tell you things to come. Now, I want to help everyone in this room. Right? The Holy Spirit can help your marriage better than anybody else in the world. If you'll spend time with him, he'll lead and guide you to the truth that's in the word of God that will transform your marriage. You can apply that principle to any area of your life. I I believe we have the greatest counselor in the United States of America on our staff named Minister Deanna Jo Vivian. I believe she's one of the best in the world. But watch this. She can only take you so far. And whatever she gives you is general counsel. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give you specific counsel. Are you listening to me? And if you don't balance and learn how to master both, if you become dependent on her, then that's as far as you'll go. But if you want to go as far as the Holy Spirit wants to take you, then you better add him to everything that you pursue. Let me take it another step. Go to him first. And she might not be out 30 days for counseling because you might not need to go there. Are you listening? I'm not saying this from a place of pride. I've never been to counseling in my life because I actually go to counseling every day. I scheduled counseling sessions, but they were not for someone to tell me what to do. They were simply to bounce off of what I believe I'm supposed to do. How do you see that? I did the work first. So when I go to Apostle Price, it's not for him to tell me what to do. 
for, for me to share with him what I believe I'm supposed to do. How do you see that? It's not his job to lead me into all truth. He can point me in a direction, and certainly I'm going to receive that. But only the Holy Spirit can give me. Build a relationship with him better than you have with anybody else in your life through the word of God. All right, I got to come on down the home stretch. You all getting anything out of this today? How many of y'all picking an area right now that you say, I'm getting ready to control myself in this area? Everyone in here should be picking an area, right? Don't try to do it all at one time. Just take your life as projects and work on each little section at a time. All right, let's come on down this home stretch. Letter E, we can do whatever uh, God's will uh, will help us to do. The Holy Spirit, we can do whatever God's will uh, will, and God will help us to do. We can do whatever we want to do, and God will help us to do it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do, right? We quote that, but you really can. You can do all things, but it's through the anointing. When that's the Holy Spirit and his anointing, which gives you the strength to actually do it. Well, how do I operate in that? Prayer and the word of God. Can't be strong if I'm not spending time in prayer and the word of God. Go to Ephesians chapter uh, 3, letter F there. The spirit is his agent by which he empowers us. We all know the Ephesians prayer, Ephesians 3.16. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Where at? In your inner man. Look at verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it's according to the power that works where? In us. Letter G. Certainly the word in prayer helps as it is the sword of the spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, 17 and 18 says, to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. Right? And so if I'm praying always and spending time in the word always, I mean, I'm going to be strong in my spirit, which means I can do anything that the spirit has empowered me to do that I found in his word. I'm going to give you this one because I've got to close the improper exercise of self-control. Write down Colossians 2. It's in your notes if you don't have the Version Bible app. Write down Colossians 2, 20 through 23. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. Paul here, the improper exercise of self-control, Paul warned against the wrong kind of self-control. Don't ever let men put things on you that did not come from the Word of God. It's really all he's talking about here. A lot of denominations, right, talk about don't do this, don't do that, don't. Listen, the first church I got saved in, the women could not wear makeup. They had to wear long skirts. How I many know, don't nobody want that? And the pastor coming in there sharp as I don't know what, gators on his feet from head to toe, and the women looking like, who done it and why? <laughs> Talking about we a holiness church. Well, then you, pastor, need to walk in holiness too. Tone your, your pink gators down. This is Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Tone, tone yourself down if you're going to make put them through all of that, right? Of course, we go in other churches, and you can't bring this kind of food in there, can't bring that kind of food in there, can't bring this kind of food. I remember one time we went to a home going, and my wife wore some slacks, and, and then all of a sudden she was up on the platform. They had to take her down off the platform because she had some slacks on, sit out in the back, and that's just because you got a problem with lust. Hello, somebody, and you. So, and the other one couldn't wear toe-out shoes, so she had to go put her feet up underneath the thing because her toes was out because you got a problem with toes. You like toes. You're struggling with toes. You lusting over toes, so can't nobody wear toes out and slacks because you can't. Every time you look at their booty, you're going through some kind of convulsion here. That's how, how you know, that's where all that stuff came from. None of that in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Paul warned against that kind of stuff, forbidding to marry, right? Come be a part of us and dedicate yourself to celibacy. Listen, man, that is a miracle of God. Listen. And that's why you see a lot of times, a lot of denominations, you see a lot of wrong behavior towards same-sex, opposite-sex, because everybody don't have that gift. I would say 99.9% of America does not have that gift. And let everybody in this building say, amen. I know I don't have that gift right there. Right? You all see what I'm saying? Don't let people do it. And today what you have is a whole other extreme of that where they're saying there's no need to get married. 
what does that paper mean? See how you can have extremes on both sides of that? All he's saying is don't let man put anything on you that did not come from the word of God. All right, and let's close with this one, number seven. <laughs> the proper exercise of self-control. We have to bring the body under subjection. First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. we talked about it. It says, but I discipline my body. Paul, I do that. I mean, no one can discipline your body but you. You have to do that, right? It has to be your priority. You've got to love yourself enough to discipline your body because you're doing that for you. I want to tell all the single people in here, don't marry a body. Marry someone spiritually that you can live with, right, mentally that's on your level, right, and then let the body come on. I'm not telling you to marry someone unattractive. Matter of fact, let me just keep this 100. (laughs) Marry someone attractive, but don't let that be the number one thing. Now, let me help you ladies out. That is what gets us to the table. See, fellas, you see, none of the fellas helping me today. That's what gets us to the table. Just don't lead with that because bodies change over time. And so then you don't want to be that person uh, who your wife sacrificed with you for 20 plus years. Then you're going to trade her in for a younger model because her body got a little older. That's wrong. God doesn't look favorably at that if you understand the scriptures. So you've got to do that. We're to deny ourselves ungodliness and worldly lust. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust. We looked at that. We are not to be in bondage, number three, to anything, even that which is lawful. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me. Look at what he said. But I won't be brought under the power of any. Never let anything control you but the Spirit of God. Don't let food control you. Don't let television control you. Don't let nothing control you but the Word of God and the Spirit of God. If it controls you and it's not the Spirit of God and the Word of God, then the power of it needs to be broken. How do you break the power of it? You put it on the altar and you crucify it. Last one, and we're done for the day. Exercise yourself in godliness. Put 1 Timothy chapter 4 up there on the screen for me. Actually, put Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. You all don't have this one amplified. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. While they're finding that, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of a good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Paul writing to Timothy. For bodily exercise profits a little, see a little burst at a time, at the moment that you're doing it. But godly exercise, godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So if you notice what he's saying, exercise is good and it profits you for the time that you're doing it. But godliness, if you exercise in that, which means training, if you train yourself in godliness, it's profitable in all things. It'll profit you in your marriage profit you in your single life, profit you in your finances. It'll profit you in every single area of your life and in the life to come. But you've got to go through the training. Look at Hebrews here, Amplified, chapter 12, verse 11. I'm done. Can you all get it back there? Hebrews 12, 11, Amplified. Is it up there? Watch this. For the time being, no discipline brings joy to nobody. Right? If you've ever been through any type of regimen, you know it's nothing fun about it. But seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, that's what you're going for. It yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. See, if you make being debt free to go, it's going to be grievous and painful. But afterwards, if you've ever accomplished this in your life, it may take five years of just no eating out. But afterwards, come on, it may take five years of you just doing your own hair, staying away from the, the, the hair shop and doing your own nails. But boy, afterwards, the process is going to be grievous and painful. If you ever tried to lose weight, man, it's going to be grievous. It's going to be painful. Your body is going to scream. 
You'll be sore. If you've never done it before, your body is going to say, what is going on? What are you doing? What are you putting me through? It's going to be grievous. It's going to be painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists of righteousness and conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. Folks, that's training yourself in godliness. The end result is always going to be right living and right standing with God. God bless you all. I hope you got something out of growing in self-control today. Praise God. I pray that you put yourself on some kind of schedule, some kind of program beginning yesterday, today, and get serious about your life. If your body is winning, then your spirit is losing. Reverse that. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm out of time. I'm actually over my time today. And this is the earlier group. And so I don't want to do anything long and drawn out today. Uh, Most of you all already know where you're at with your relationship with God. You knew that before you came in today. And I just pray that the Spirit of God convicted, confirmed, did whatever he needed to do to bring you to a place where you need to make a decision that's a decision between you and him only. So if you're in this building today, man, listen, get control of yourself before yourself controls you. You should have enough examples in your life to see where an uncontrolled life can take someone. So if you're in this building today, you can't control your life apart from the Spirit of God and His help. You can't have the Spirit of God and His help without receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, I want to invite you to do so today. I want to invite you. It'll help you control cigarettes, the opposite sex, weed.